0: Zena Khan. Thank
1: you, Mr. Speaker. Question number
0: one. The Prime Minister.
2: Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. May I, may I start, Mr. Speaker, by wishing all members and staff a merry Christmas and a happy New Year? And I am sure the whole House will want to join me in sending our warmest cri- Christmas messages and wishes to all our armed forces who are stationed overseas. We, we owe them a great debt of gratitude for the sacrifices that they make on our behalf. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today.
0: Dr Rosena allen Khan.
1: Thank you, Mr Speaker. In 2009, the Prime Minister said it was a tragedy that the number of children falling into the poverty cycle was continuing to rise. Every child deserves to have a roof over their head and food on the table. Yet, on her watch, In Wandsworth alone, the number of families forced to survive on food banks is continuing to rise, and two and a half thousand children—yes, children—will wake up homeless on Christmas Day. So my question is simple. austerity driven government say enough is enough and put an end to this tragedy yeah.
2: prime minister thank you mr speaker well the honorable lady should note that in fact this government has lifted hundreds of thousands of children out of absolute poverty but but i think it's important it's important for all those who have heard her question To be aware of this. She talks of 2,500 children in Wandsworth waking up homeless on Christmas Day. Anybody hearing that will assume that what that means is that 2,500 children will be sleeping on our streets. It does not. It does not mean that. It is. Order,
0: honourable, Order, Honourable and Right Honourable Members are accustomed to these exchanges taking somewhat longer. So be it, the questions will be heard and the answers from the Prime Minister will be heard. I am in no hurry at all.
2: The Prime Minister. Thank you Mr Speaker. It's important that we are clear about this for all those who hear those questions. Because as we all know, families with children who are accepted as as homeless will be provided with accommodation. And, and, And I would also I would also point out I would also point out to honourable members opposite that statutory homelessness is lower now than it was for most of the period of the last Labour government.
0: Sir Paul Beresford.
3: Thank you, Mr Speaker. If I could draw my right hon. Friend away from Brexit, which is about to crop up, I suspect, I believe it is common knowledge that the Conservative Party is the party that strives to protect our Green belt. It was, therefore, a shock to me and a vast number of my constituents in the Guildford wards of Mole Valley when <coughs> Guildford Council submitted their draft local plan. The Council are seeking to build 57 per cent of the houses in their plan on Greenbelt. Would my right honourable friend agree that local authorities should focus their imaginations on developing buildings of sufficient height, density and imagination on brownfield sites, not Greenbelt? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Prime right, Minister
2: right. right honourable friend is right to raise this issue on behalf of his constituents and as he will know a local authority may only alter a green belt boundary in exceptional circumstances In our housing white paper, we were very clear that this means when they have examined fully all other reasonable options for meeting identified development needs. and Of course, that includes looking at brownfield sites and building on brownfield sites. Uh, In the case of Guildford, I understand the local plan has been submitted for examination earlier this month. And, of course, it will be examined by an independent inspector for soundness in due course. Uh, But I can assure my uh, right honourable friend that he's absolutely right that we want to ensure that Greenbelt is protected.
0: Jeremy
4: Corbyn. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Could I take this opportunity to wish you, all members of the House, all our public servants and all of our armed forces, a very happy Christmas and all the best wishes for 2018? And could I pay tribute, Mr Speaker, to our very hard-working National Health Service staff, yeah. many of whom, unlike us, won't get a break this Christmas. Is the Prime Minister satisfied that the National Health Service has the resources it needs this winter?
2: From our Prime Minister, first of, all, uh, first of all, can I join the right honourable gentleman? He refers to those NHS staff who will be working very hard this Christmas and who won't get a break at Christmas. Of course, it is not only our NHS staff who will be working hard this Christmas, it is also our emergency services and many others who uh, who go to work on Christmas Day so others can enjoy their Christmas Day, and we thank all of them. He asks about preparations for uh, winter. I can say to him the Health Service has prepared more extensively for this winter than ever before. These plans are helping to ensure safe timely care for patients. As it happens, those aren't my words. They're the words of the Chief Executive of NHS Providers. (laughs) Jeremy Corbyn.
4: Well, Mr Speaker, Sir Simon Stevens did say the NHS needs £4 billion next year just to stand still, and the reality is the Government has given the NHS less than half of what he asked for. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister talks about uh, the money the NHS needs, but in the... Uh, 50,000 people were left waiting on trolleys in hospital corridors last month. Last week, more ambulances were diverted to other hospitals because of A&E pressures. 12,000 patients were kept waiting in the back of an ambulance because there was no room at the A&E. So ask the Prime Minister again, has the NHS got the resources it needs this winter to deal with this crisis? Minister, to the right honourable gentleman,
2: he knows full well that NHS funding is at record levels, and 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 in the autumn budget we put some extra funding in to the NHS this winter, in addition to the 6.3 billion pounds extra that is giving in to the NHS over the coming years. But let me. Let me Time after time again, the Right Honourable Gentleman will come to this House and complain about what is happening in the Health Service. Can I just can I just say to him? Can I just can I just just tell the House what is happening in the Health Service? We see now seven, seven million more diagnostic tests than seven years ago. 2 million more people getting operations. And so, survival rates for cancer at their highest ever level. Now, what does those are figures, but what does it mean? What it means is more people getting the treatment they need. It means more elderly people getting their hip operations. And it means that today there are nearly 6,500 people alive who wouldn't have been if we hadn't improved
4: our cancer care. Mr Speaker, in the first three weeks of this winter, 30,000 patients were left waiting in the back of an ambulance for more than half an hour. These delays risk lives. If the NHS had the resources it needs, you would expect it to be meeting its key treatment and waiting time targets. So, can the Prime Minister give us a cast-iron pledge that all of those targets will be met in 2018?
2: Prime Minister!
4: What we are looking to do in
2: 2018 is, yes, improve the uh, standard of care that we provide in our health service and ensure that we can improve on those figures that I have just given him, that we do see more people being treated in our health service, that we do see better survival rates for our cancer. That is why we have been putting uh, the extra money into the National Health Service, but it is not just about putting extra money into the National Health Service. It is about ensuring that we see the uh, proper integration of health and social care at grassroots level. (laughs) That is what, that's what the STPs are about in many areas, opposed by the Labour Party. It is, it is why we have lifted the cap so we see more nurse training places opposed by the Labour Party. This is about ensuring that we have uh, the staff and the capability in our NHS to deliver the, wor- the first-class, world-class service that our NHS is. <laughs> We should be proud of our NHS. We are, and we're going to make it even better. Jeremy
4: Corbyn! A&E waiting time targets haven't been met for two and a half years. Cancer treatment targets haven't been met for two years. Our A&E departments are bursting at the seams because the government has failed to ensure that people can get a GP appointment when they need one. The government promised to recruit an extra 5,000 GPs by 2020. Where are they? Prime
2: Minister! We are seeing more GPs. We are seeing more training places for our GPs. But if he wants to talk about targets, if he wants to talk about what we see on targets, he talks about AE. Well, let's look at what has happened in Wales. The standard. on AE in Wales was last met in 2008. Now, let, me, let me just think. Which party is in government in Wales? Is it the Conservatives? No, it is the Labour Party in government in Wales. On Canada, on cancer care. The standard was last met in June 2008 in Wales. He should look at what the Labour Party are actually delivering before he comes to this house and complains.
0: Jeremy Corbyn!
4: Speaker, the Welsh Government relies on a block grant from England which has been cut by 5 per cent by 2020. Yet, despite that, In Wales, 85.5% of cancer patients start their treatment within 62 days, higher than is achieved in England. Mr Speaker, my question was about GPs. Perhaps the Prime Minister is not aware there are a thousand less GPs than there were the day she became Prime Minister. It's not only the lack of GPs. Another issue, Mr Speaker, that's driving people into A&Es are the six billion cuts made to social care budgets. 2.3 million older people have unmet care needs. Does the Prime Minister regret, and the Chancellor is sitting absolutely next to her, that he didn't put one penny in his budget for social care? Minister we have put two billion
2: pounds extra money into social care. We did that in the spring budget. but he started his, his question, he started his question uh, by referencing the record of the last Labour government on health. Well, you know the last the last Labour government's record on health, their NHS legacy was described as a mess. We're clearing that up. We're putting more money into the NHS. But who was it who described who was it who described Labour's NHS legacy as a mess? It was the right honourable gentleman. He's running for leader. He denounces the Labour Party. Now he's leader of the Labour Party. He's trying to
4: praise it. Yeah. Jeremy Corbyn! Speaker, can I um, give some... Um, Mr Speaker, if I could quote the Prime Minister something she might be familiar with. If the government wants to reduce the pressures on the health service and keep people out of hospital in the first place, then it needs to tackle the chronic underfunding of care and support services in the community, which are at a tipping point. Who said that? Izzy Seacombe, Conservative leader of Warwickshire County Council. (laughs) Mr Speaker, the question was on social care, but the issue is about the NHS as a whole. It's there, Mr. Speaker, to provide care and dignity for all if they fall ill. But our NHS goes into this winter in crisis. Nurses and other workers, no pay rise for years. NHS targets not met for years. Staff shortages, GP numbers falling. The reality is mental health budgets have been cut, social care budgets have been cut, public health budgets cut. The Prime Minister today has shown just how out of touch he is. The truth is, Mr Speaker, our NHS is being recklessly, recklessly put at risk by her government. That is the truth, Mr Speaker. Prime
2: Minister! The right honourable gentleman is wrong because NHS funding has gone up. He's wrong because social care funding has gone up. But you know, not that long ago, not that long ago, the Right Honourable Gentleman was saying that he would be Prime Minister by Christmas.
1: Well he was uh,
2: He was wrong. I am, and the Conservatives are in government. Long ago, he said we wouldn't deliver on phase one of the Brexit negotiations. Well, he was wrong. We've made sufficient progress, and we're moving on to phase two of the Brexit negotiations. And not that long ago, he predicted that the budget that the budget would be a failure. In fact, the budget was a success, and it's delivering more money for our national health service. Labour, wrong, wrong, wrong. Conservatives in government delivering on Brexit, a budget for homes and the health service, Conservatives delivering a Britain fit for the future. Yeah! Mr Mark Harper!
1: <laughs>
3: Mr Speaker, thank you very much. Um, Gloucestershire, Gloucestershire College is building a brand-new campus. In my
0: constituency, made possible by millions of pounds of government support. Can I thank the Prime Minister for that investment? And doesn't it show this is a government
3: committed to investing in the skills necessary to make this an economy and a country fit for the future? Prime
2: Minister! Can I I, uh, say to my right hon. Friend that I am very pleased to welcome the development that is taking place in his constituency. and I am also pleased to agree with him – and I know he uh, believes very strongly in this – the importance of skills and training for the future. that That is a good commitment of this Government. It is more important than ever that people in this country are developing the skills they need to get the highly skilled well-paid jobs of the future. That is what we are doing with our money into technical education, and the College in his constituency will play an important part in that.
3: Ian Blackford yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker, and can I take this opportunity to wish yourself, all members, staff, and of course our Armed Forces personnel and emergency personnel a Merry Christmas and a good New Year when it comes. Yeah, can we also, I'm sure, wish for a peaceful election tomorrow in Catalonia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr Speaker, in 2013, the then-Chancellor of the Exchequer, George Osborne, when reflecting on his position in representing the majority interest in the Royal Bank of Scotland on the departure of the then Chief Executive of the Royal Bank of Scotland said, of course my consent and approval was sought. Ah. Was the Government right to intervene in the departure of the Chief Executive of Royal Bank of Scotland? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Prime Minister. <laughs> I say to the, uh, the Right Honourable Gentleman that, obviously, decisions have been taken in the past in relation to Royal Bank of Scotland. The key decision was taken at the time of the financial crisis in relation to the support that the Government provided to the Royal Bank of Scotland. Uh, if he's going to raise uh, branch closures, as he did last week, I'm afraid I have to tell him that he'll get the same answer as he got last week. This is a commercial de- decision for Royal Bank of Scotland, but Government does ensure, through the, uh, the protocol that is in place, through the work that's been done
3: with the post office to provide extra services, that services are available for people. Ian Blackford. Mr Speaker, it's supposed to be Prime Minister's questions. The Prime Minister is supposed to at least try and answer the question. If it was right in 2013... For the Chancellor of the Exchequer to intervene on the departure of the Chief Executive Officer, then of course it is quite right that the Government takes its responsibilities when the last 13 branches in town are going to be closed in Scotland. Prime Minister, show some leadership. Stand up for our communities. Bring Ross McEwan into into 10 Downing Street and tell him that you are going to stand up for the national interest and stop these bank closures. Prime Minister yes,
2: sir, to the right honourable gentleman that the decision on individual bank branches is of course an operational decision for the bank. But he talks he talks about standing up. He talks about standing up for communities and standing up for people across Scotland. I have to say to him that's a bit rich, coming from an SNP which in government in Scotland is going to increase taxes for 1.2 million Scots. The con- Conservative Government is reducing tax for 2.4 million Scots. There is only one clear message to people in Scotland. Conservatives back you. SNP tax you. Order. I wish the honourable member
0: for Filton and Bradley Stoke and his honourable friend the member for Morley and Outwood all the best for their wedding on Friday of this week, which I look forward to to attending Jack Lepresti
1: Thank you very much,
0: Thank you very much Mr Speaker I look forward to seeing you there Now I'm sure that the Prime Minister agrees with me
1: that
4: defence of the realm and the protection of our people is the first duty of government. But would she further agree with me that any future government which failed to support our armed forces, which wanted to abolish our nuclear deterrent, and which sympathised with terrorists, would endanger our security, as well as placing hundreds of thousands of jobs at risk up and down the country, as well as 12,000 in my own constituency
0: minister
2: well, mr speaker may i join you in congratulating my honorable friend and uh, my honorable friend the member for morley and outwood on their forthcoming uh, wedding uh, which unfortunately because of my travels i will not be able to attend but i wish them all the uh, all the very best but he's raised a very a very important issue and i absolutely agree with him that defense is the first uh, responsibility of uh, the first duty of government and that's why we're committed to our nato pledge to spend at least 2% of GDP on defence every year. It's, we have a £36 billion defence budget which will rise to almost £40 billion by 2020-21, and we are spending £178 billion over the next 10 years on equipment. And he's absolutely right. A party like the one opposite, which wants to get rid of our nuclear deterrent, cut our armed forces and pull out of NATO, would not strengthen our defences. They would weaken them.
3: Sir
0: Geoffrey Donaldson. The Prime Minister will be aware of the strong affection and support for Gibraltar across this House. In light of the guidelines published this morning, will she give a commitment? Uh, not to enter into agreement with the European Union that excludes Gibraltar from the transitional or implementation arrangements and periods
2: what well, can I say to the honourable gentleman that we in the EU have been clear that Gibraltar is covered by the withdrawal agreement and our article 50 exit negotiations and just to confirm what I said on Monday our negotiations, as we negotiate this, we will be negotiating to ensure the relationships are there for Gibraltar as well. We are not going to exclude Gibraltar from our negotiations for either the implementation period or the future agreement. Uh, I can give the honourable gentleman that assurance.
0: Scott Mann. As the Prime Minister will be aware, dairy is very important for growing children and as part of a healthy diet. The sector is integral to Great British food and drink. As the chairman of the all-party group for dairy will she support our campaign next year to rebrand milk to our supermarkets to include it as part of their meal deal selections and as part of a healthy diet promote drinking milk in schools and will she join me this Christmas in raising a glass to our fabulous dairy farmers
2: I'm very happy to join my honourable friend in uh, commending the work that our dairy farmers do, and he talks about the importance of dairy. He is, of course, a great advocate for rural issues, and he's right because it's one of the most efficient, innovative, and high-quality uh, dairy industries in the uh, in the EU. Um, On the particular points that he's raised, can I suggest that I'm sure my Right Honourable friend, the Environment Secretary, will be very happy to discuss those particular points with him. But I join him in recognising the importance of our dairy industry.
0: Ronnie
4: Cowan. Thank you very much. Prime Minister, in eight European countries plus Australia and Canada, they've introduced drug consumption rooms. The result has been a reduction in the spread of HIV, a reduction in the spread of hepatitis C, reduction in crime. And it's worth noting that while drug-related deaths in the last four years continue to increase in the UK, there's never been a drug overdose in a supervised drug consumption room. In the interest of public health, well, the Prime Minister introduce DCRs in the United Kingdom or, if not, will we she devolve the relevant powers to the Scottish Parliament so the Scottish Government can go on and do so? Dear. Dear. Prime Minister... You,
2: first of all, as I'm sure he will be aware, the Home Office has recently published the Government's updated drug strategy. But I have to say to him, that I have a different opinion from some members of this house. There are some members of this house who are very uh, uh, liberal in their approach to the way that drugs should be treated. I am very clear that we should recognise the damage that drugs do to people's lives. Our aim, our aim, should be to ensure that people come off drugs, don't go on drugs in the first place, and then people keep clear from drugs. That's what we should focus on. Mims Davis.
4: Yeah.
1: Speaker, and May I please pay tribute to the Prime Minister for listening so carefully to myself around issues for women's health, particularly around pregnancy, around primados, valparate and mesh implants, all issues raised to be by my constituents. Like my right honourable friend, they feel very strongly about tackling female health issues and are very grateful to be heard. Can the Prime Minister then therefore assure me that she will continue to listen so that women do not feel that they are left behind or forgotten when it comes to health equality in this country.
2: Minister! I was very happy to meet my Honourable Friend to discuss these issues uh, and indeed uh, to meet other uh, Right Honourable and Honourable Friends to to talk about this. These are important issues. These are issues that have had a real impact on women's lives. issues where women want answers as to what has happened in relation to this and I can assure my honourable friend that the government and I will continue to listen on these issues and we can will continue to look to see what we can do to ensure that we don't see women suffering in the way that we have in the past on issues such as this and we will keep that clear focus on women's health
0: Clive Efford Mr Speaker happy Christmas The prime minister told the radio times that on christmas day she likes to prepare and, and cook her own goose. <laughs> you know what's in the, coming in the spirit of christmas. Can I suggest to her that in order to extract the maximum pleasure from the messy job of stuffing her goose that she names it either michael or boris. <laughs> I'm sure the Prime Minister's got better taste than that. The Prime
2: Minister... uh, can I say to the Honourable Gentleman, I think I'll be having to resist the temptation to call the goose Jeremy.
1: Yeah.
2: Mr. Christopher Chope! Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Mr. Speaker, on Thursday last week, there was a very important local referendum in Christchurch. Oh. The result was that 84% of the people of Christchurch want to keep Christchurch as an independent sovereign borough and are against the abolition of Christchurch. <laughs> order! Order! Order, 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 I, order! I can't understand this atmosphere. I want to hear about the views of the good burghers of Christchurch. Will will my right hon. Friend ensure that the Government respects the views of the people of Christchurch? And will she also ensure that the Government gives sufficient time, indeed extra time, for the Council to draw up alternative proposals which properly reflect the wishes of the people of Christchurch?
2: The Prime Minister. I thank my uh, honourable friend for his question. As as I'm aware, as obviously he knows, uh, being very close to this, this is an issue that has been considered by local councils over a significant period of time. It's an issue that has been considered by the Department for um, Communities and Local Government. As uh, was said from a sedentary uh, position by my honourable friend, uh, it is also the case that there are other councils in the area that do support a change to the governance structure. Of course, DCL LG will be looking very carefully at the views of these uh, these councils to ensure that the best result is there for the people of Dorset.
0: <coughs> Laura
2: Pidcock. Thank you very
1: much, Mr Speaker. We have some of the best rules in north-west Durham. But wh-
0: it may be moderately good-natured, but nevertheless it is disruptive. The Honourable Lady is entitled to be heard. And for as long as she's in this house and I'm in this chair, the Honourable Lady will be heard. And that's the end of it. Laura Pidcock.
1: Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. We have some of the very best schools in North West Durham, but whatever the new funding formula, they are dealing with deficits from years of real-term cuts, feeling the corrosive effect of academisation on collaboration. School staff are working for longer, for less pay. Please don't the Prime Minister tell me there's more money in our schools. The fact remains, a significant proportion of schools in North West Durham, will see totally endorsed reductions in their funding. They have run out of ways to make the government's cuts. Can the Prime Minister tell us what they should do next?
2: Prime Minister! The Honourable Lady says uh, that she asked me not to stand up and say that there's more money going into our schools, but of course there is more money going into our schools. Uh, the figures are that funding for our schools will rise by over £1.4 billion next year and also almost £1.2 billion the year after. And we've protected the pupil premium, which is worth nearly £2.5 billion, to support those who need it most. But, of course, education. If you listen to the Labour Party, education seems to be only about the amount of money you put in. Actually, what parents are looking for is the quality of education that is provided. And I notice... That there's an increase of over 12,000 children in her in the County Durham Local Authority now in good or outstanding schools. That's because of this government. Suella Fernandez. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. 2017 has been an excellent year for Fairham College, rated outstanding by Ofsted and shortlisted by the Times Educational Supplement as College of the Year, and successful in its bid to the LEP to deliver its civil engineering provision. Will my right hon. friend join me in sending a happy Christmas to the principal and his staff, congratulating them on supporting our young people into work, and because it's Christmas, creating a Britain fit for the future? Minister! Can I say to my honourable friend that I am very happy not only to send Christmas wishes to the principal but also all the staff and all the uh, students at Fairham College but also to congratulate them that due- because of their hard work they have achieved such excellent results and she's absolutely right. This is about ensuring that young people have the skills, have the training, have the education they need for the jobs of the future, building a Britain fit for the future.
3: Yeah. Drew Hendry yeah. Yeah.
4: For many terminally ill people on Universal Credit this Christmas will be their last Christmas Does the Prime Minister agree with me that it can never be appropriate for terminally ill people to be forced to meet with work coaches or to fit into an arbitrary six-months prognosis in order to claim support? So will she listen finally to the experts at MND UK and Macmillan Cab and remove these conditions to allow some dignity as these people with their families face the end of their lives?
2: The hon. Gentleman is right that we have to ensure that we are dealing with those cases where somebody does have a terminal illness with with utmost sensitivity. These are issues that have been raised before. conditions, the principles that are applying to terminally ill people claiming universal credit, are in fact the same as those claiming employment and support allowance, and they've remained the same for successive governments. There are a number of approaches that can be taken, uh, and uh, there are several options for how people progress through the system. But he's right; we should deal with people who are terminally ill with sensitivity. That's what the system is. That's what the system intends to do.
0: Nigel Evans. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, This morning I met uh, Liam Allen, uh, the young student whose life was put on hold for two years and had to endure uh, torture until his case collapsed last week and this week another case collapsed because of lack of disclosure. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that when allegations are made there should be a full investigation? and there should be full disclosure given to the CPS and to both
3: lawyers. Prime
2: Minister. My my right honourable friend raises an important point. Uh, This issue of disclosure is one that obviously has uh, come to a focus of concern as a result of the case that he has quoted, Uh, and indeed I understand another case which is in the press today. Um, But what I can tell him is that my right honourable friend, the Attorney-General, had, even before these cases came up, Actually, initiated a review into disclosure. I think it is important that we look at this again to make sure that we are truly providing justice. Thank
4: you very much, Mr. Speaker. According to her own commission, social mobility in Britain is stalling, and for many, it's getting worse, not better. Does she agree with her former chief of staff that last week's social mobility action plan was disappointing, full of jargon, short on meaningful policies? and would have been better left unpublished.
2: I say to the uh, hon. Lady that the Social Mobility Action Plan will play an important role in enabling less advantaged young people to get on in life? That is not what I have said. It is what the Sutton Trust have said, and the Sutton Trust have a fine record in helping disadvantaged young people get on in life. And if she wants some other quotes, the Association of Colleges has said the plan sets out an ambitious agenda uh, to tackle long standing and deep seated inequalities which the education system struggles to overcome. This is a good plan. It will make a real difference to young people's lives. Yeah. Alex
0: Shelbrook. Thank you, Mr. Yeah. Speaker. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Speaker yeah. Yeah. In the 1980s, Mrs. Thatcher famously commented to the what? Vietnamese. What? Very discourteous. <laughs> no, very, very unfair on the honourable gentleman. Let's hear the fella. Alex Shelbrook. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I was saying, in the 1980s, Mr. Thatcher famously commented that if Vietnam was so wonderful, why were millions of people getting in boats to uh, leave it? Um, with that in mind, can I ask my um, right honourable friend, when she goes in the second phase of Brexit negotiations, if WTO rules are so wonderful, why do so many countries seek trade agreements? Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. yeah. Oh.
2: Can I just say to my honourable friend... Of course, of course countries around the world can trade. the question is on what terms are they trading and, of, and uh, we want to see a free trade agreement negotiated with the European Union we also want to see free trade agreements negotiated with countries around the rest of the world. The reason for that, as we're, we're believers in free trade, the reason for that is because we believe that brings growth, prosperity, jobs and a secure future to this country.
4: Yeah. McCabe Yeah.
2: Can I wish the Prime Minister a Merry
0: Christmas? As uh, he sits down to her Christmas dinner, will she spare a thought for the one million youngsters the Children's Society calculates are set to lose their school dinners because of the government's universal credit plans? Yes. Yes. It's a season of goodwill. Why doesn't he offer to
2: fix this? Prime Minister... I wish the honourable gentleman a Merry Christmas, uh, too, and a Happy New Year. Uh, but can I say to him that, in fact, the, the uh, introduction of the arrangements for free school meals under universal credit that uh, is proposed by the government will actually lead to more children having access to free school meals? Geoffrey Clifton Brown!
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish you and everybody else a very happy Christmas? Given uh, Michel Barnier's claim that UK banks will lose their passporting rights post-Brexit, as opposed to the Bank of England's statement that EU banks will be able to continue to operate here, does this not vindicate my right honourable friend's principled and strong stance in negotiating reciprocity for EU and UK citizens? Yeah, yeah.
2: Prime Minister, I to say to my honourable friend that we value the important role that the City of London plays, not just as a financial centre for Europe, but actually a financial centre for the world, and we want to retain that and, and maintain uh, that. Uh, that. Uh, Mr uh, Barnier has made a number of comments recently about the opening negotiating position from the. European Union. We're very clear, and the Bank of England and, indeed, the Treasury have been setting out today uh, reassurance to ensure that banks will be able to continue to operate and will be able to continue to ensure that the City of London retains its global position. But this will be, of course, part of the negotiations on phase two of Brexit. We're very clear how important this is.
0: Graham P. Jones, here, here. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr and Mrs Walker from Great Harwood in my constituency have a son with learning difficulties. <laughs> Mr. Walker in August was knocked down by a driver who was over the limit, had taken drugs, had no lights, and was speeding. Mr. Walker is 69. He is now quadriplegic. He is not entitled to PIP. He cannot access mobility, and he and Mrs. Walker are now paying £400 per calendar month for a hire car. I wrote to the DWP about this case on the 21st of November and have not heard a reply. Isn't it shocking that this country and this government can't look after the elderly and the disabled? And I would ask that the Prime Minister looks into this case urgently.
2: Prime Minister! Can I first of all uh, give uh, our best wishes to Mr Walker and his family and how sorry we are to hear of what has befallen him uh, and uh, I, he references a letter that has been made to the DWP. I will ensure that that is, case is investigated and he received a re- receives a response. Chris
0: yeah. Green. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Yeah. Would my radical hon. Friend join me in praising the work of Fort Alice, who provided domestic abuse support in Bolton for 40 years? Will she consider, under the current reforms, the benefits of a new funding structure for domestic revu- uh, abuse refuges separate from the supported housing sector, so refuges can continue to deliver their specialist support.
2: I thank my hon. Friend for raising the question of (laughs) refugees, but also I am very happy to join him in praising the work of Fort Alice and services like it across the the country. He mentions the reforms that we are putting in place, and indeed that is because at the moment we feel the system is not responsive to the needs of vulnerable uh, women in local areas, and that is why we want to put the funding in the hands of local authorities, but bring in new oversight To uh, make sure we're delivering the right support for the right people. It's trying to ensure we're focusing the support on those who need it and that this is a system that is more responsive to the needs of vulnerable women.
3: Bill Esterson. The inappropriate treatment of smaller businesses by the Royal Bank of Scotland destroyed businesses, ripped families apart, and saw people take their own lives. RBS is owned by the government. So, will the Prime Minister set up the full independent inquiry, which is needed to deliver justice for the victims?
2: Yes. Uh, my understanding is that this issue is being looked into, is being properly looked into. Of course, I recognise the concerns that are expressed by the honourable gentleman, and indeed will have been expressed by other members in this House. And the government is looking into that.
3: <laughs> you, yeah. yeah, Mr. Speaker, does. does? Does
0: the Prime Minister share my dismay that the SNP government is planning on raising taxes on hardworking Scots when it could raise the same amount, if not more, by just getting its own house in order and improving efficiencies?
2: Prime Minister, can I can I can I thank can I thank, uh, my my honourable friend? What the Scottish Government is proposing means that there are 1.2 million Scots earning over £26,000 will be paying more tax than people in England will be will be paying. But I was interested because I wasn't aware of the fact that my honourable friend has given this house now, which is very important, namely that if the SNP Order. order,
0: sorry. I apologise for interrupting the Prime Minister. Can I just ask the Prime Minister to face the House? Because some of us can't hear fully, and and I'd like to hear fully. The Prime Minister.
2: Uh, Mr. Speaker, I was making the point that my Honourable friend has made an important addition to the knowledge of this House, which is that if the SNP government got its own house in order, it could save that amount of money uh, that it's going to be raising by raising taxes and actually not put that extra tax burden on people earning over (laughs) £26,000. Mr. Nigel Dodds.
0: Thank you, Mr Speaker. In light of, some of the very, in light of some of the very loose, inaccurate and misrepresentative language coming from politicians who should know better outside Northern Ireland, would you take the opportunity to repeat to this House and to the public in Northern Ireland, both sides of the community, the well-established three-stranded approach to Northern Ireland, which makes it clear that the internal arrangements and decisions on Northern Ireland are a matter for the United Kingdom government and the parties in Northern Ireland.
2: I'm Minister. very happy to uh, make that clear to the Right Honourable Gentleman and to confirm uh, what he says. And we're very clear about the position and the decisions that will be taken about Northern Ireland. Uh, what we do, of course, want to see is a Northern Ireland executive restored so that we can see those uh, devolved decisions being taken by that Northern Ireland executive. I know uh, the Right Honourable Gentleman, I believe, also wants to see that executive restored. Uh, and uh, we will continue to work with... Uh, his party and with other parties across all communities in Northern Ireland to see that happen. Dr. Julian Lewis. As one of the signatories
0: to Amendment 400 to the EU Withdrawal Bill, may I seek an assurance from the Prime Minister that its provisions to change the date of our leaving the EU will be invoked only, if at all. Under extremely exceptional
2: circumstances, and only for a very short period. Well, I'm I'm very happy to give my honourable friend and others that reassurance. We're very clear. We will be leaving the EU on the 29th of March, 2019, at 11 p.m. The bill that is going through, though, does not determine that the UK leaves the EU. That is part of the Article 50 process, and it is a matter of international law. And It is important, I think, that we have the same position legally as the European Union, and that is why we have accepted the amendment for my right honourable friend, the Member for West Dorset. But I can assure my honourable friend and the House we would only use this power in exceptional circumstances for the shortest possible time, and an affirmative motion would be brought to the House. Uh, Rosie Cooper. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Government, Department of Justice, NHS England and Lancashire Care Foundation Trust should be thoroughly ashamed of their part in the national disgrace which is HMP Liverpool. Could the Prime Minister assure this house, this whole house, that those responsible for the deplorable conditions, the lack of care and harm which led to suicides of some prisoners and this harm which has been caused to both staff and prisoners those people will be held to account and proper disciplinary action taken and they not be allowed to move simply move to other jobs. We need accountability for this tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Minister. The Honourable Lady, That, of course, as I understand it, as my right honourable friend the Justice Secretary said yesterday, he expects this report on HMP Liverpool to be published early in the new year. Um, but a number of actions have been taken, as I understand it, including changes to prison management. Um, overall, of course, we are increasing frontline staff in our prisons by putting more money into that, and we are increasing the support available to vulnerable offenders, especially during the first 24 hours of custody, and we have also invested more in mental health awareness training for prison officers. Um, But, of course, uh, my right hon. Friend the Justice Secretary will look carefully at this report when it is published.
0: Honourable gentleman awake or he had some other pressing business. I want to hear the fella, John Barron. And a, and a Merry Christmas to you, Mr Speaker, as well. Um, the Prime Minister has just uh, given an assurance that Amendment 400 would indeed be uh, only used in extremists and for a very short period of time. Could I press it to be any more specific than that? Are we talking when we talk about if it's used, the powers are used at all? Would it only? Could she assure the House that it would only be used for a matter of weeks or months at the maximum, a couple of months, and no longer, because it, there is a concern that it could be indefinitely extend our stay within the EU. Uh,
2: well, can I, can I uh, thank my Honourable friend for seeking further clarification on this, uh, on this particular point? Can I just start by saying, as I did to um, my uh, Honourable friend, the member for New Forest, that actually we are going to leave on the 29th of March 2019, that is what we are working to. Um, but we do want to ensure that we have the same legal position as the European Union, and that is why uh, Amendment 400, uh, tabled by my right hon. Friend, the Member for West Dorset, has been accepted. But I can assure my hon. Friend that we are talking, if it were the case that this would be used, it would only be in extremely exceptional circumstances, and it would be for the shortest possible time. We are not, we are not talking about extensions
0: Order! Or, 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 order! Order! We would hear better if the Prime Minister faced the House, but we would also hear better if members didn't keep whittering from a sedentary <laughs> position. New Year's resolution and an end to sedentary, chuntering, wittering,
2: and hollering. The Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, I apologize for not uh, 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 facing the uh, opposition on this. Uh, I was hoping to ensure that my honourable friend actually heard the response that I was giving, and I can assure him that we are talking about the shortest possible time for this should it be used, but I'm clear we're leaving the European Union on the 29th of March 2019. Who <laughs> <Go> Reeves?) <laughs> Thank you Mr Speaker. Last Friday Joe Cox's sister Kim, the honourable member for South Ribble and I, published the Joe Cox Loneliness Commission manifesto. Will the Prime Minister join us in urging everybody over Christmas to look out for neighbours, family and friends who are struggling with the pain of loneliness and will government play its part by t- uh, publishing a strategy for loneliness and responding fully early in the new year to our recommendations? Yeah. Minister well can I say to the honourable lady I know that she has worked extremely hard on this issue together with my hon. friend the member for South Ribble and this is an important issue and I think we are getting more and more awareness of the impact of loneliness uh, on uh, on people and I think we all recognize that social isolation is uh, is an issue it is of importance to the government we are looking at a number of things that we can do to help reducing loneliness but it's not of course just what government can do it is about as she says about what communities can do what nations can do, uh, and I'm pleased to say that, for example, in my own constituency of Maidenhead, the churches together on Christmas Day bring elderly people who would otherwise be on their own together for a community lunch. So just one small example of what we can all do in our communities to help to overcome the problem of loneliness. It's very welcome that the Prime Minister is taking personal charge of building the homes that this country needs, which is such an important social justice issue for the future of our country. How does the Prime Minister see us doing this at the scale and at the speed
0: which is necessary?
2: Prime Minister. My hon. Friend is right that we do need to build more homes and we do need to build them uh, at uh, a, a scale. I'm pleased to say that last year we saw 217,000 new homes built. This means that we have seen a, record, uh, a, a level of house building that apart from one year, I think, hasn't been seen over the last 30 years. But we need to go further. That's why we've proposed a number of changes, both in support for affordable housing, support for councils, support uh, for people helping to get... The, the, their foot on the housing ladder, but also are working with local authorities in a number of ways to ensure that land is released and we do see uh, builders building out the planning permissions that they have. Finally, Tim Farron. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That is not a very seasonal
0: response from the Honourable Gentleman from Sefton, from a sedentary position. I expect better of the Honourable Gentleman, Tim Farron. May I I, um, thank you very much for your... Characteristic greeting, and may I wish a Merry Christmas to everyone, especially the honourable member <laughs> for Sefton. Um, uh, the Prime Minister will be aware that NHS England have extended the deadline for their consultation on the allocation of radiotherapy services into the new year. So, will she take this opportunity to ensure that one of the criteria is shortening the travel distances that people have to take when they need to take this life-saving, utterly urgent treatment, knowing that travel times has a massive impact on outcomes so that people who live in places like South Cumbria, can access this
2: treatment safely
0: and quickly. The Prime Minister.
2: Can I say to the honourable gentleman, of course, uh, we are all aware of the need to ensure not just that people are able to access the treatment that they need, but they are able to access that in a way that is appropriate. And Of course, I recognise in some rural areas that means further distances to travel than it would in, in other parts of the, of the country. As he said, there is a consultation uh, out there. NHS England will be looking very closely at, this, uh, at these issues and I'm sure he will have made representations to them. Thank Thank you. you.